Welcome to another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Portuna. And today's episode, we're going to be talking about the state of healthcare and the role of patient empowerment in rehab. Today's guest is Dr. Alejandro Gonzalez. He's a Miami native and a doctor of physical therapy. He started his company, Park PARC, in 2012, mostly as a result of working in various therapy centers and did not provide the level of care and quality uh, he felt patients deserved. Dr. Alejandro Gonzalez, welcome to the show, bud. Thank you so much, Andy, uh, for having me. I appreciate uh, the opportunity, and I look forward to it. Of course, of course. So I personally know uh, Dr. Ali Street, as he's known in the uh, streams of social media and to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a physical therapist here in, in Miami, and I've uh, reached out to him, and I've uh, we've had this close connection and close uh, contact uh, since he opened his new spot in Park and Park Gables, uh and, you know, a dear friend. So I really wanted to have him on and talk about this topic and talk about his uh, business. So I appreciate you coming on. So, Dr. Alex G, talk to us, man. How would you get to where you're at, you know, owning your own business, being a PT, why PT, all, you know, all the good stuff? Yeah, um, I guess it would all uh, date back to my high school basketball years. Um, I played uh, high school basketball and had a little issue with my knee and went to do some rehab. I was always kind of into the health and fitness and being uh, involved in sports heavily uh, growing up. Uh, and when I went to the therapy center, I just noticed like, wow, this seems like a pretty good gig. You know, it's like being a personal trainer, but, uh, you know, a little, a step above because you get to help people not only when they're in a healthy state, but when they're not feeling well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what attracted uh, me to the profession to begin with. And I've always had like, you know, an, a knack or a passion for, for helping people out. And, and I found that this would be my, my, my best uh, avenue to do so. And ever since back in those days, I just kind of made up my mind and said, I, you know, I'm going to be a PT. And uh, fast forward, I don't want to say how many years, because then I'll date myself, but a long time. And, uh, and you know, here we are with a uh, practice, which I never intended to have, uh, but it just, you know, evolved into that. So, I mean, what are a few things that you uh, saw in this experience earlier on as, a, as an athlete? Uh, you said high school, right? Basketball? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. What were the things that you saw other than uh, what they were doing? Was it like the way they interacted with you? Was it the process of it? Was it because it was closely related to what you were doing as an athlete? Like, what are the big aspects of you kind of choosing this uh, path? Um, So, yeah, it was it was the uh, fact that I was able to interact much more closely with the therapist than I did with the doctor. Uh, especially when you're younger and you're not too schooled with, you know, uh, anatomy and physiology and, and how to really take care of your body. You know, mm-hmm. that, that therapist had a pretty profound effect on me in terms of teaching me how my body worked and teaching me how to take care of it so that I can last longer uh, in my athletic career, basically. But mm-hmm. I just love the fact that I was able to interact with her more closely Um and that she was educating me and showing me things that I could do on my own to, to you know, get better and get stronger. Yeah, it's awesome that you, you turned that positive experience into a journey. And, you know, yeah. then you basically, it basically passed down the torch to you. And now you do basically, you know, I, um, you basically try to do the same thing that she helped you do on a day-to-day, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Um, exactly. 
what are some of the things that I like, mentioned in your bio? What are some of the things that you felt that you saw uh, in a couple of these places that you worked previously before starting uh, Park? Yeah. Um, so I started off in a, in a privately owned small uh, orthopedic uh, clinic. Uh, it was outpatient. And it's, it was, it's more of the traditional insurance-based models where, uh, you know, we had uh, in, contracts with multiple different, if not pretty much all, uh, insurance companies that are, are, that are offered here locally. So we saw a high volume of patients. And so a year, maybe two into the profession, I was already feeling burned out because I was seeing anywhere from like 20 to 25 patients a day. Um, I had like an aide. But, you know, all the manual therapy was done by myself and, you know, seeing 80, 100 patients a week that will wear on you mm -hmm. mentally and physically and especially emotionally when I first started the, uh, the profession. Uh, it really mm -hmm. took a toll on me. So it's something that I thought to myself, you know, I don't see myself doing this long term. I feel like it's something that is going to wear on me. And I almost stopped liking the profession in a sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was a little early in my career, but, you know, the, the right circumstances or the wrong circumstances will do that to you pretty quickly. So that's what prompted me to kind of be like, I think there's a better way of doing this than the way that people are doing it, you know, or the traditional way of doing it. Um, yeah, and you, and you see this type of uh, experience across the board, right? You see it in PT, you see it as athletic trainers working 80 plus hours a week on the field. Uh, you see it as nurse, you know, as nurses working a bunch of hours, you know, and even some doctors too, having their own practice, they see, or, you know, within a partner's practice, they see loads of patients just to be able to uh, sustain, right, the office and all that stuff. So, um, especially in PT, especially in the rehab uh, sector, having to work to that many, that amount of patients is, it's pretty insane. Right. And, and, you know, sometimes, uh, there are some clinics that do have like high volume, probably not to the sense of that and still have the insurance base and all that stuff, but, uh, still have the opportunity to give the, the PTs and the patients, the, the care and the, uh, and the autonomy to be able to do what they do. But rarely do you see that in the traditional clinic. And then uh, obviously you saw, and you got that experience and you're like, man, how can I get that passion, um, for which I started this PT, this PT realm, this PT career, and how can I make this uh, more of, you know, how can I really increase the potential of what I'm doing with this and really treat the patients how I'm doing? That's how I'm assuming that's how Park kind of was created? Exactly. That's exactly how Park was created. I, um, I started off, like, kind of tapering down my hours at that office, and, and I uh, informed her that I would be kind of, doing my own thing on the side. So I had a, I had a buddy that owned a uh, CrossFit gym. And so what mm -hmm. I did was take up some space or, or essentially rent a room um, mm -hmm. for part-time. It was Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays that I would go over there and I would do uh, some work. And I would mostly see patients that were coming from the gym at the mm -hmm. beginning. You know, people that were working out hard because it was a very uh, intense uh, workout program was a hit program that they had going on there. Uh, a lot of jumping, a lot of cutting, a lot of athletic type training. And uh, so they had their fair share of people that needed, you know, little tune-ups here and there. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's how I initially started off. And then little by little, word started spreading. And 
and uh, you know, we started getting outside sources to to refer us patients to. I mean, that was that was you said you started that in two thousand twelve or part in, in, you... in two thousand twelve. Yes, is when I started that uh, that part time. So seven um, years ago, I mean, even then, I mean, CrossFit was starting to get big, and that's where you started seeing more of this like practitioner inside the gym. But even then, it was still kind of uh, arbitrary. Like people didn't really like. You're like, okay, I see the benefit, but I really don't see the benefit. Like now, seven years, right? Yeah, seven years in, how do you see the transformation going from that little room and obviously uh, educating patients on like the benefits of seeing PT and uh, like instead of going into like the more invasive procedures and stuff like that, going from that little room into now what you guys have uh, as a practice? So... I mean, it's, it's been a, a, a process, right? A road, it's been seven years and, and we've been smart to like do it in a, in a slow and steady manner, not mm -hmm. get over our head, not really have to acquire too much debt. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, it's obviously easier to do that when you have a larger space. Um, right. And we're able to, to educate people more on a preventative basis. And that's, that's the main thing that I've seen change in myself and maybe the way that some other practitioners and the way that the profession in general is moving is mm -hmm. to be more preventative in nature. Um, so try to get to people before they're injured. Before, when I first started, um, I was solely concerned really with getting people that were injured uh, mm -hmm. to either their prior level of function or, or even stronger. Now I've cut, I still do that, of course, because that's in essence what our profession is. But I try to tap more into the wellness uh, aspect of the of the profession, and that's the the trend that I see happening more and more now. And you're starting to see too. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, right? Even the consumers, right, or, or the patients, people looking for these services, uh, being more proactive. Before it would be like, eh, I'll wait two, three weeks, four months. Ah, uh, you know what? It's kind of bothering me. Uh, well, now they're like, uh, yeah, this is bothering me. I need to find somebody where there's, you know, social media has helped as well with that. Um, but now you're starting to see patients are a lot more proactive with that. Like, again, once they start feeling something or they're not unsure of something, they go ahead and reach out uh, to practitioners like yourself and myself uh, to reach out or should I say to look for the help and have that guidance. Uh, like we're talking, like you just mentioned, this uh, uh, proactive uh, type of care. Most definitely. I have seen that uh, increase uh, recently even more. Yeah. People are, the, the consumer and basically individuals are becoming more educated as to, you know, an ounce, basically the old saying that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Mm -hmm. I think people are really starting to embrace that now. And, and it's an exciting time for, for, I think, both of our professions, you know. Do you feel like uh, because now people are being more educated and they have this, they're having, they're, they're starting to have this conversation. Okay, on okay, what can I do to optimize my health today? Not get, not wait to get injured, not wait for the emergency medicine. You know, start to start now. Do you feel like they are more uh, not only proactive with their health, but proactive with uh, the care that, for example, a practitioner uh, gives them? Like, for example, hey, I want you to do this exercise and kind of like I'm not telling you to stop. But I'm kind of telling you to kind of modify some of these exercises and really stay like, I guess the word I'm looking for is adherence, like their commitment to the program, oh, yeah. their commitment to the exercise. Do you feel like since you started in 2012 and now 2019, 
it has improved like that sense of commitment to from the patient i i think so i really do think so um and i think that we've kind of been lucky in a sense um because we get that type of client mm-hmm. maybe it's that that's like kind of our marketing that mm-hmm. we that we use our message you know throughout our website you can kind of find that you know we want to unleash the athlete and with within every one of our patients or we, we want to teach people how they can conti- continue excuse me to be active even throughout an injury or through their rehabilitation like you said like yeah, I don't need you to stop working out, but we're going to try to avoid, like for somebody who's having shoulder pain, we're going to try to avoid excessive overhead work um, uh, throughout your recovery. But th- these are some other ways that we can work the shoulder that are going to be both a part of your rehab, but can also help to keep your conditioning up, you know? Mm-hmm. And yes, I do feel that people are becoming more adherent to that because people are now, I think, starting to realize just how impactful exercise can be on your overall um, wellness, not only physical, but mental, spiritual, uh, spiritually, excuse me, but, you know, being active translates across the board. And I yeah, think that, people are starting to realize that. They're really getting into that mind-body approach, right? That that aspect of it's not a disconnect between how you're feeling, how your mood is emotionally compared to physically, how you're feeling. It's all intertwined. Um, and it goes into a big aspect of what we want to talk about, which is patient empowerment, Right. Uh, what would you consider is patient empowerment? Um, I, I think that um, a big component of patient empowerment is to educate the patient. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of misconceptions and uh, misunderstandings out there when it comes to physical health. And, you know, as simple as what we always use, us as physical therapists, and I'm, sh- I'm sure you guys as well as athletic trainers, use the analogy of the MRI and the Mm X-ray. So this is getting a little into, you know, the whole medical approach. Um, But I just think that people have been educated that when they see something on an MRI or an X-ray, they really think that it's like, that's it. It's over. Uh, Mm -hmm. I can't really do anything about it. You know, for example, if there's a herniation or a bulging disc in my back, oh, but I have a disc that's bulging in my back. Like, you know, what can I do about that? That's it is it is what it is. That's there. I'm gonna need surgery, or my back will never be the same again. And I think empowering the patient is educating them and showing them that despite having these abnormalities or or issues that you find in imaging, it doesn't directly translate to their pain or their issues. Yes, it can be there, but it's probably the symptoms that are around that bulge or that herniation that are causing the discomfort in the first place. So I think that's one example of how we we can empower the patient to teach them that because that can change somebody's psychology completely. Mm-hmm. As as simple as, you know, people not wanting to move. Like when people are in pain, they don't want to go out. They don't want to walk. They don't want to stretch. They don't want to do anything because they're in pain. And then when they're not active, you know, they don't release the same endorphins that they usually would when they're active and they're getting through a workout and that runner's high that they get when they go run. And, you know, when you're active, if you're used to being active and and you're not active, it kind of changes your mindset, your your state of mind, your well-being. So I think that's one great way of empowering the patient. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, patient education is, is and it's not just saying, here's your exercise. 
by the way, this is how you do it. it it's like you mentioned, it goes way farther than that. It, talk, it talks about speaking to them that day. Hey, by the way, you are not your diagnosis. I think a lot right. of people do, uh, define themselves based off what they're diagnosed as, right? I don't know right. if this ever happened to you. I'm sure it has where you have a patient come in and they say, and they pull out a paper or not even pull out a paper. They're like, yeah, I have uh, L3, uh, bulging disc. I have uh, chronic ten, uh, elbow tendonitis. I have this, 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 and I take this and I take this and I take that and I do this. Like they know their pathologies to the T, you know what right. I mean? And, right. and they almost like they identify themselves uh, with that partic- particular injury or pain or uh, a pain's a big one, like low back pain, right? It's like, yeah, yeah I have low back pain and, you know, like, you know, I've had it for years and it's never going to go away. You know, having that, uh, like you talked about, mindset, that mental aspect to it, that uh, education when it comes to pain, right? We know now for sure that pain isn't just a physical component. There is a right. cognitive component to it, right? What the patient actually understands is happening. Now, the problem with that educational side is that we have Google, right? Google can be a, <laughs> a double-edged yeah. sword. You, yeah. As soon as the doctor tells you, uh, I mean, the doctor doesn't have to tell you. Like you, put, you do symptom low back pain. And you can have anything from cancer to debilitating. You, by the way, you won't be able to walk anymore. And you're just like, what the heck? <laughs> you know, you yeah. have all this yeah. information, and you know, most consumers, most patients have no idea what to do with that information. And that's just as deadly as uh, you know, doing the wrong thing. Um, so that patient education plays a big part, like you mentioned, getting them to understand you know, what movements to do, modifications to do, and to understand, like, listen, yeah, you know, you, the x-ray, yeah, the MRI tells you this. This is one perspective. But you know how many people actually are walking around with the same thing and have no issues? What's the difference? Exactly. Right? Uh, exactly. You know, they're, like you mentioned, exercise is super important. Maybe some people are a little bit more uh, consistent with their exercise or movement patterns are better or the way their perspective about pain is much different. Maybe, you know what, stress. Maybe their uh, lifestyle is a little bit more balanced than you are, and you are constantly in this fight-or-flight mode, which yeah. now triggers all these pain uh, issues. So there's a lot of factors. So like you mentioned, patient education is super important, and I think that's like the top of patient empowerment. Uh, yeah. But like we talked about earlier, that body, mind, spirit, right? Like we talked about pain experience, but also lifestyle modification. But a big one is mental health. Right. Uh, A big aspect of what we talk about in here all the time in clinic is, hey, how are you doing? How are you sleeping? How's family? Like, how's work? Like before, a lot of times in the history, before I even go into an assessment, it's like, how are you doing as a human being and how are you handling life? (laughs) You know, and you can get a lot of information from that, you know, and and I think it's super important uh, as part of practitioners uh, working in this industry, in this in this career, in this field, uh, whatever you want to call it is, is that. Ultimately, who we're working with is with a human being. Uh, and, and if we lose sight of that, no matter how good your orthopedic and clinical skills are, if you have, if you cannot connect with the person in front of you, then one, you're not going to get the results you're thinking you get. And two, that person in front of you is not going to connect with you. So guess what? When things get hard, what's going to happen? They have no empowerment. They have no guidance. They just know that the person in front of them can help them, but they don't really understand or really feel like, like a big part, like you walk into park, uh, park physical therapy, and you probably have uh, chill vibes coming in. You'll see Cindy coming in, maybe baby Julian walking around somewhere. Uh, yeah. Big smile from, from Alex. But you can see right away the communication. That, you didn't have the, it has, it's cool when you 
can walk in a place and just feel like you're at home. Park PT is a, a great example of that. You see, you know, Alex working with his patients, maybe you see a couple of patients doing a couple of exercises, but it's like a flow, a good flow of just like communication, you know, people feeling good, they're moving, uh, and there's education involved in that. It's not just, hey, here's a couple of exercises, I'll see you in 15 minutes and give me your money and see ya. Or, <laughs> hey, your insurance, swipe, see ya, see you next week. You know what I mean? So I right. think it's definitely, when it comes to patient empowerment, it's, it's way bigger. Uh, and I think not only do PTs and, and rehab specialists and manual therapists, and, and again, the practitioner needs to understand this, but also the patient. Patient needs to understand that it's much more than you coming in and working on some exercises. It's way more than that. Right, right. I think uh, I think you pretty much nailed it on the head, man. And uh, like, we, like you said, mental health is a big aspect of it, a big aspect of it. And I think sometimes some practitioners may be a little scared to get into it. Um, what's, a, what's a big... Uh, What's a, I guess my question would be, on average, is there a question that you typically get when somebody comes in for the first time? Uh, like a, a question you get all the time from patients, whether it's, hey, have you seen this before? Or do you think you can help me? Or uh, can I keep working out? Like what are the common questions that you typically get from somebody that may not have the experience of what a kind of more personal one-to-one type of uh rehab setting is yeah i would say that that um the last one that you mentioned is can i work out can i still work out am i going to be able to to move my body again like i used to am i going to be able to lift again you know a big one is like for low back pain am i going to be able to squat or deadlift again or for my crossfit my crossfitters am i going to be able to you know do some overhead movements again and you know that all honestly depends on the level of or the degree of injury um, mm-hmm. and other variables like has it happened in the past like is this something that's recurring but but that's a big one and one thing that I pride myself on and that we pride ourselves uh, at Park um, is on teaching people how to stay active even when they're injured mm-hmm. so you know and it, a big part of it leads back to the educational part of it right so Many people feel pain and they don't understand why they feel pain. So when you don't understand why pain is now like the boogeyman, right? (laughs) In a sense, because you don't know why, why is it doing this to me? Why is it coming out? Why is the boogeyman coming out and haunting me? You know, it scares you. Every time you try to do something that you used to be perfectly fine with, or that was a piece of cake for you before. Now, every time you do it, you're in pain. So educating people on why they're having pain. That that means getting on the iPad, showing them, showing them the anatomy, showing them a little video of what happens when you do certain movements, why it is that it's causing them pain. Now, once you kind of give people that visual and you explain it to them, now they can put two and two together and be like, oh, so that's why when I lift overhead, I feel a pinch in my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And then once they know why, now you can teach them a little easier how you can kind of um, prevent that. Mm-hmm. So we want to move around the pain, not move into the pain during the healing process, right? Mm-hmm. At least that's my approach to it. We mm-hmm. we work we work around the pain, and then that's with the training and the exercise component. Obviously, when it comes to manual therapy, any manual therapist will tell you that you know sometimes you need to invoke a little bit of pain in order to um, acutely, right, with mm-hmm. our hands or our instruments, in order to prevent long-standing and recurring pain in the future, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Like if you have a, a very tight lat muscle that is preventing your humerus from rolling properly when you're doing overhead work, it's gonna be a little uncomfortable if you dig into the into that knot that you that you find there in the lat. Mm-hmm. But it's gonna allow them to do their activities with less pain in the future. So educating people on what's good pain, quote unquote, versus bad pain, you know, um, and educating them on how they can stay active even when they're in pain. Yeah. And, then and I think that's almost priceless to some people, you know, just yeah. that. And it's cool. It's cool to, to have your patients come in and be like, hey, by the way, I'm feeling great. But, you know, I was at the at the gym and I saw one of my friends or somebody doing something and I walked over them and, and I taught them what you taught me. And guess what? It worked. And yeah. you're like, yes. You're like, <laughs> your heart strings start to flutter. You know what I mean? Because the best yeah. thing as a student and somebody, as, and as anyone, if you can teach something, that means you know it pretty darn well. And the fact that you get results off it, obviously, right? So uh, I always get super happy when patients come in and they're like, yeah, you know, somebody was doing this or a family member was doing that. And uh, and I was talking to them about stuff that we talked about here. And they're like, wow, you know, I never heard it that way or wow, that really helped. So uh, to really share and spread that love is awesome. Uh, it's an awesome gift in a sense, right? We get to do uh, this every day and really help people and have other people help other people is uh a good byproduct of that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I also wanted to mention something real quick before I forget. I'm known, I'm known for, for forgetting <laughs> things. Um, so I think that a very important component of, of getting people to realize that they can be active mm-hmm. is to actually have them do it with mm-hmm. you. Like, especially the first time. So one of the things that I love is when people come in and they're like, man, I got this shoulder pain. I can't do anything. Like, can't go to the gym. I can't run. I can't do anything. Like I haven't worked out in two weeks. I'm like, I'm going crazy here. So right then and there starts my education. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? Why? Oh, cause my shoulder hurts. Okay. You can't do anything at all. No. Every time I do anything, it hurts. All right, let's go. Let's go to the gym. So we go out of the treatment room. I already get them out of the treatment room and I get them in the little gym space that I have. Mm-hmm. And I put, and I will literally put them through a workout 15, 20 minutes. They start breaking a sweat and I'm like, all right, how do you feel now? They're like, oh man, it feels good to get my heart rate up and to sweat again, you know? So mm-hmm. that's one thing that I really, really love. I love when people come in and they say, oh man, I haven't done a workout and I put them through it and they, I see the automatic sense of relief that they get because I've been there. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, all of us have, right? Most people have suffered through some bout of pain, some injury or something that's gotten you a little sidetracked or has you in a little more pain when you move. And when you're able to finally work out again, that's one of the best feelings ever. And I love to be able to be present when that happens and to see the patients uh, go yeah, through that. You're providing that reassurance, you know, sometimes they just need like, hey, you're gonna be okay. Listen, you're doing this perfectly fine. You know, there's gonna be things that we gotta work on, but you're not, it's not the end of the world. Like you can move your shoulder. Exactly. <laughs> you know? no, no. Or, or if your shoulder hurts, all right, don't worry about it. We're not going to work anything with your shoulders. Let's go work your legs. Let's go work your core. Uh, yep. let, let's hop on the assault bike and do, uh, you know, armless sprints on the mm-hmm. assault bike, you know, things like that. Just showing people, you know, educating so, them really. So talk to me what it's like working side by side with your wife and uh, son <laughs> as well. You know, your little assistant. Having this uh, family, family business. I, that's one, another like little 
point of pride that, that we have is that we are a family-owned and operated company and have been like that since the sunset, really, because uh, prior to Cindy joining me, I had uh, one part-time employee. Mm -hmm. So I don't really count that as my first employee. Um, mm -hmm. I count, I count, you know, Cindy or not my employee, but the company's employee. Because right. in our in our business model, you, you know, we're owners, but we're also workers. Mm -hmm. And so, like anybody that I work with is not my employee, or they're my coworkers because I'm in the mm -hmm. trenches. We're working together, mm -hmm. you know. So, but she was the first person that we added to the team, really, that significantly made a huge impact on on us. Um, she brought a level of like creativity and and discipline and organization that we didn't have before. Mm -hmm. uh, she made us more focused and driven and more goal oriented. Really, it's, it's been a blessing. Do you find that sometimes it might be difficult working with a family member because uh, just like the business side of things or patient stuff or maybe even bringing stuff back home? Or have you guys got to create like a good barrier or a good like system to kind of uh, minimize those things? So it's tough to to work with family. Um, it, you know, it has its challenges. It has its pluses. Uh, one of the pluses is that you can bring stuff home once in a while. If you forget, forget something, you guys can be like, oh, Let's not forget to do this and this tomorrow and you're able to write it down. Mm -hmm. But but on the other end, you know, you kind of get into like an area where it's hard to separate, just like you said, the work and the and the home. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, you're together at work, you're together at home. So you just fall into like a, a routine or a pattern where sometimes it's hard to separate. But we're able to kind of remind ourselves like, hey, we're home. Mm -hmm. Let's write it. And we have a little system where we use a couple apps that are that are helpful in terms of reminders and little bullet points for stuff that we have to get done. And we can kind of write it down and forget it in a sense. Right. You know? But it's a work, you know, it's a work in progress always. Um, but in my in my case, it's been a blessing. Cindy and I get along amazingly. Um, it's, it's, it may not be for everybody, but for us, it's worked really well. Shout Plus, we get... Shout out, shout out to Cindy. Oh, yeah, shout out. Big shout out to Mama Bear, Cindy. Uh, it would be the same without her, that's for sure. Um, I, mean, I mean, I've talked about this topic as far as, uh, and you mentioned it earlier on, uh, not only as a PT, not only as a, a rehab specialist, not only as a practitioner in this realm, uh, but as an entrepreneur, right? There's the ups, there's definitely the downs. Not a lot of people talk about the downsides, yeah. uh, the stress, you know, the anxiety, even depression when it, you know, it comes down to the nitty gritty. Uh, I've talked about, you know, me and Alex have talked about this as well. Uh, it's not always, uh, it's not always the, the lavish life of owning your own business, right? There, like Alex was just mentioning now, like there's tough times, you know, there's things that kind of get to you, um, what, what are some things or what would you recommend for those either in a PT setting or in the kind of like the, the beginning stage, kind of like how you were working with 25, 30 patients, uh, 80, you know, 80 plus hours a week, uh, not only with patient care, but doing notes and all that stuff and feeling burnt out. What would, what would be something you would tell that practitioner or that person, uh, maybe even losing hope, right? Losing some of that confidence that they had uh, or that fire um trying to help people but then they're kind of in this in this uh hole what would you tell somebody like that? so I, I would tell them that you know 
you're not stuck in a sense because you almost feel like you're stuck because you're like, oh, what, what else am I going to do, right? Mm -hmm. I would just say you're not stuck and just remember that at the end of the day, you can always try to do things your way. You don't have to do things the way that everybody else is doing them. Mm -hmm. Just because that's the way that people have done it forever or it's a status quo or whatnot. If you really feel a certain way about the way you want to practice and, and the things that you want to do, you just got to know that that's the way you feel, know why you feel that way. And if you really feel strongly enough about it, then go out there and make a difference, you know, make a change. It's like everything else in life. We can complain about the personal, professional things, but if you really want to make a difference, just go do it. Cut hours, you know, go see if you can can maybe get a room at a local gym or something like that, you know, kind of in a, in a sense the way that I kind of did it. But I would, I would just leave them with that little gem just saying that, like, you know, do things your way. Mm-hmm. As long as, obviously, that's in the best interest of the patient, which right. should be fueling anything that we do, right? Is try to right. help people as much as possible. But, like, you know? Yeah, I think a big one you you talked about was why. Understanding why you're doing things and why why do you want to do something. Like, understanding that internal goal is super important, but also understanding yeah. that it's going to take work. And uh, a big aspect of what you, of what you mentioned is not, not necessarily looking to the left and right and comparing yourself. But really looking deep diving, like, what's important to me? How do I want to practice? Or what do I want to accomplish? And how can I do that? Uh, Each person has their own uh, journey, right? Each person has their own uh, goal. And sometimes, too, it's, it's, you know, you don't necessarily have to be a business owner to practice the way you want to, right? There's plenty of, uh, you know, entities, right? There are plenty of people like, you know, Alex and myself that have these uh, practices already available, for you to be able, you know, you know, sometimes it's asking a question or maybe like, listen, I really like the way you guys are doing things. Uh, uh, is there a potential opportunity to maybe grow with you guys or something like that? Because uh, right. I'm a big believer that not everyone is, not everyone's an entrepreneur, and not and neither does, not everyone wants to do that either. Nobody wants to, or not, I shouldn't say nobody, but not everybody wants to have to take stuff home and deal with overhead and deal all that stuff. But it doesn't mean for you to be able to practice. Uh, like this new setting is starting to happen more is where it becomes more personal. Uh, you don't necessarily have to own your own business. Just know right. the right people, you know, exactly. work in a thing that allows you to, to work in that capacity. Uh, but again, by all means, if you want to do your own thing, uh, that's also an opportunity. And it's now growing. Like you mentioned, uh, starting in 2012 and now 2019, again, it, ha- it hasn't been an easy road, but uh, it's been a road that you have paved. Right. You obviously has helped and had some support along the way, but it's something that you chose to kind of uh, pursue. And, and here you are giving this awesome patient experience and uh, now working with with uh, your wife and providing this experience together, which is which is awesome. Yeah, uh, I did yeah, want to. Yeah, I wanted to mention one thing. Um, so, you know, how we had said that it's important to just set the vibe yeah. um, and that when you walk in here, you kind of feel good. Yeah. So that's like a work in progress for us too, you know. We're only human, just like everybody else. So like, <laughs> you know, we you have a day where you didn't sleep, or you have a day where the baby it wasn't feeling good last night, so you had to stay up or take him in the ER or what. You know, it's a a variety of reasons why you cannot be in your peak state, right? So another a very important thing is like your own personal well being. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. And like doing not only professional development, but like personal development, keeping yourself in a good state of mind, uh, constantly reminding yourself to be grateful because when you get into a business, it's easy to kind of like see the shortcomings, right? Mm-hmm. When good things happen, you're like, for example, you know, you, you, you have a good month where you have a, a good, uh, your, your key numbers are, are, are good and you're meeting your, your numbers, but you're always worried about, you know, what about, oh man, what about next month or the next month? Oh, I have, I know this is our slow time. So it's easy for that to kind of affect your ability to just interact with people and to mm-hmm. show them that you care and to be present in the moment. So that's one thing that I try to do as much as possible is like, you know, wake up early, do my hour of power, uh, where I set myself and my intentions for the day. And I just allow myself to be more grateful and to be more like, uh, present in the moment. Yeah. That's, that's super important. Awesome. I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of times we get stuck in the, in the, in the tunnel, right? Tunnel vision of trying to, pers- uh, ambition and trying to do yeah. more and try to really be successful. But in reality, successful is different for everyone, right? Like what uh, each, like if you line up five people, each person's uh, vision of success is different. Some people want more, some people want less, you know, it's, it's, it's different. So, uh, but for sure, taking that time and it's something I learned the hard hard way, right? Taking the time for yourself is not always about how much you can work, but it's, it's the quality of work that you can do in the time that you do so, right? It's not killing yourself every day. Uh, whether you own your business or not in, in general, doing work, you want to do good work, right? And you want to feel good about the work that you're doing uh, and be consistent with that and be happy with that. So uh, that's a good one. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, with that being said, how can the listeners uh, reach out to you? Um, What's your so, contact info, email, and all that stuff? Yeah, so our website is www.parcpt.com. Uh, www.parcpt.com. Okay. Okay. Um, our, our email is info at parkpt.com. Um, on social media, you can find us on Facebook, uh, forward slash park.pt. And, uh, same thing goes for Instagram. It's, uh, at park.pt. Awesome. And I'll make sure to put that, uh, you should see at the bottom of the show notes, show notes, uh, here. So be able to, uh, you know, have access to all those links and make sure if you want to reach out to Alex and his team, uh, for anything. Uh, make sure you go ahead and use those links. Um, and uh, I had asked uh, Alex earlier um, a couple of books that he recommended. Uh, and a couple of them was The Power of Now, The Four Agreements, and Awaken the Giant, I believe. Within, yeah. Okay, Awaken the Giant. So can you talk to me real quick about those books? Uh, yeah. Um, so the books, um, The Power of Now is just a great book. Um to basically be able to become more present, kind of like what I was talking about earlier. Mm. Um, okay. Sorry, I just had somebody uh, knock on the door real quick. Oh, um, so yeah, the power of now is great because it kind of it enlightens you a little bit as to you know showing you really that we're many times going back to what we were discussing about like getting stressed and whatnot. You know, it's either we're forecasting ourselves into the future or we're thinking about something that happened already in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, being in the present moment is the only way you can really experience life. And yeah. un- until you do certain things, you don't realize how much that happens, mm-hmm. how in the future or in the past you really are 
and how that messes with your current emotional state, you know? So I really like that one a lot. The Four Agreements is just a great book um, to kind of teach you some things that you can live by to also help you be more present and to live a more like purposeful and goal oriented life. Um, and, and Awaken the Giant Within is just a great book by, by Tony Robbins, just, you know, also teaching you and empowering you to take control of your life and, and to change the things that you can and just kind of release and let go of the things that you can. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. And again, those uh, books and resources will be, uh, you should see them at the bottom of the show notes. So you have uh, access to those. Now for the final part of the podcast, my favorite. Um, So this is what we call speed round uh, or rapid fire. We've called it both, but it basically means a couple questions that we ask you very quickly and you have minimal time to answer them. Uh, So that gives the listeners a a good and funny way to kind of learn more about uh, the guest. Um, Yeah, that's basically it. So I have a couple questions here. Um, And then the last part is more of a, a thank you uh three things that i'd like to give at the very end of the podcast are you ready dr alex g i am okay are you, are you nervous because sometimes people get a little nervous uh because of these questions no you're not you don't see, you Sorry, don't see. My, no, my headset my headset was was acting up on me a little bit but you know let's just go with it let's flow with okay. it. okay all right so your favorite superhero wolverine wolf. wow that you know, i have not heard wolf. that one here slash or? the whole or the Hulk, man. I like Or the Hulk. Hulk. Does yeah, it depend on the situation or? Yeah, it depends on the situation. But Logan is pretty badass, man. So uh, when would you use so when would you use your Wolverine powers? Wolverine is if I'm in a dangerous situation where I feel like I could get hurt. Okay. Wolverine, Wolverine can heal himself pretty easily. And then the wow. Hulk is you know, Hulk smash. You mess so, with him, smash you up. What, would it be safe to say that in your ideal world you would be both? So it would be Hulk Arene. Ogarine. I love it. Uh, Marvel, get at us if you want to cast either one of us to do that. that, that I think I think we just created a superhero, so that's pretty cool. You heard it first here on Connected Move Radio. That's right. Um, favorite thing to eat if you had to choose one thing? Pizza, bro. Really? Pizza? So I'm yeah. assuming you know you know the spot here in Miami. What would it be? Uh, Pumarola. 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 Let me say it right. Pumarola. It's, uh, it's in, in Coral Gables, traditional uh, Italian style, just delicious uh, really? pizza with amazing fresh ingredients. <laughs> nice. Is it, you said it's Italian? Yeah, it's Italian. They use like shaved Parmesan instead of the regular mozzarella. It's, it's pretty delicious. And this last question, it, it really, I got... So backstory on this last question, I know it usually is rapid fire, but I have to have some backstory to this. So um, earlier on before the podcast started, um, honestly, I don't know how this came up, but it came up. Uh, I realized or I, I learned that uh, Mr. Dr. Alex uh, Gonzalez here is a artist and none other than a, uh, in my name, uh, it's reggae, correct? Reggae is kind of like what your genre has been. Yes. Yeah, that's so, what I traditionally have, have done in the past with, with a band. So, can, can just for clarifications, I know we're in speed round, but what's your, your stage name? It's uh, Cheech Loves. Cheech Loves. That's right. So, uh, L-U-B-S, because, you know, you can't for all And I'm definitely going to add this in the show notes, because 
funny enough, he's actually very good. <laughs> like I, I was listening to the songs on there. I was like, wow, this is impressive. I did not expect this. So I've seen Alex before, you know, do the shuffle, you know, the house music. I know he likes that type of stuff. Uh, <laughs> by the way, he's got the moves. But, you know, this guy can sing. So I was really impressed. So Thank hence you. this question that I'm going to ask him. Um, Mr. Or should I say Dr. Alex G, are you ready for this final question that I uh, prepared for you? I'm ready. Favorite karaoke song? Favorite karaoke song? Um, it's probably No Woman, No Cry, man. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. That's that's a classic and it's deep all in one. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's I feel like that's how music should be. Wow. That's, it's either making you move your feet or, or it's teaching you something, you know? Okay. Okay. Wow. You know, I've learned a lot about you today in this uh, last uh, 40 uh, and some minutes here. So, wow, this is, this is very interesting. Nice. Well, with that being said, uh, this last part is uh, thanks, right? It's special thanks that I like to give, and there's three of them. First one is to the guests. Uh, thank you, Dr. Alex G, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, jump on the, on the radio or jump on this podcast with us. Um, and really just to learn more about... Um, one, how healthcare and how patient care should be, uh, how how we should be empowering our patients, and also to uh, what it takes to be able to really be happy and successful uh, in this type of uh, industry. So I thank you very much in uh, taking time and you know allowing us to hear your side and your experiences. So we appreciate that. My pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. It was it was fun to connect and move with you, bro. Uh, no problem. Second, thank you goes to the listeners. Obviously, without you guys, this would be absolutely nothing. It'd just be two people talking to thin air. But you could have been doing anything, anything at this moment. You know, maybe you, you know, you could have been listening to right now to one of Cheech Love's uh, uh, number one hit. But you know, you took the time to listen to this uh, podcast. So I thank you very much uh, for allowing us to really uh, share this valuable information. And the last, the last thank you goes to our clients, goes to our patients to our students and those people that we get to work with on a daily basis. Again, I don't know if you noticed, but we're really passionate about what we do. Um, and we really, you know, we're really grateful for the, for the opportunity to be able to help people not only move better, feel better, and live this optimized and really uh, healthful, you know, more active life. So thank you very much for those that allow us to do what we do and, and to really allow us to share our passion uh, and value that. So thank you very much. Now, with that being said, this is Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, signing out. Hey there, Andy Fortuna here, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. I love the opportunity to connect and share information with passionate people just like you, and would love the opportunity to do the same for others. So please take the time right now to leave a five-star review and help spread the word about this podcast. Thank you so much for your support, and see you on the next episode. Hold up. Signing out.